right, what's up, everybody? I'm back. The Nolan Show is live. I'm your host, James Nolan. Today is what today's today is right now. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, June 21st. Welcome. I don't know the date, but I got my one of my best friends right to the left side of me, my girlfriend Leah. Shout out her for that, my producer. But today we got a lot to talk about. The New York Mets absolutely sucked. New York Yankees, they just came off a pretty decent win against the Seattle Mariners. They won 4-2. Anthony Volpe, homer, just became the 10th, well, just hit his 10th home run of the season, and now he's the third Yankee shortstop as a rookie to hit 10 home runs in a season. And I'm sure he's going to set more records because we are only in June. So Volpe, I mean, that batting average is terrible, just like the Mets shortstop Francisco Lindor's batting average is terrible. Both shortstops having a pretty down year, but still got a long way to go. But speaking of long ways to go, it's it's actually a short way to go for the Mets. They got to start picking things up now. Now, you know, uh, Jeff McNeil was talking about it, you know, when they lost last night. The time is now to pick things up. And what did they do today? They lost 10 to 8. Their pitching has been absolutely atrocious. And that's what it is. I know their offense sucks, and I'm gonna get to, I'm gonna get on the offense. I'm not just not gonna get on the offense because quite frankly, they put up eight runs today, but you see it, they've scored two or less runs, I think, twenty-four times this year so far. But the ERA, four point six two right now, twenty-fifth in the MLB. That's not what you want. Going into this year, the Mets strength was supposed to be the pitching. It was Verlander, Scherzer, Kodai Senga. Jose Quintana, who I know he's on the IL now, but it was supposed to be those guys. It was supposed to be Tyler McGill and David uh, David Peterson coming in on the back end and making starts when need be. But it just hasn't. And mainly, it's been Verlander. Scherzer, I know he had a great start the other night. Aiden is phenomenal. But quite frankly, he hasn't done it consistently. His ERA is still skyrocketed in the threes. Verlander is way over four. He's been terrible all year. Like Evan Roberts said, Justin Verlander has been a mercenary piece of crap on the field. It's just a fact. Look at the numbers. They do not lie. When it comes to pitching, the New well, the New York Mets are terrible as a whole. But when it comes to pitching... The Mets are one of the bottom feeders in the MLB right now. And it's embarrassing when the two front-of-the-end guys, two two of the guys at the front of the rotation, Verlander and Scherzer, first ballot Hall of Famers, they're getting paid more money than they ever did in their entire careers. And they're just taking a dump in New York right now. That's what they're doing. Scherzer, Mets fans owe him nothing. So if you're going to defend Max Scherzer as a Mets fan, you're stupid. Because quite frankly, he's actually hurt us more than he's provided for us. When he was with the Washington Nationals, when he was with the LA Dodgers, and then now with the New York Mets, when he shit the bed against the Atlanta Braves late in the season, and the same thing against the San Diego Padres, and the same thing a couple weeks ago against the Atlanta Braves in one of the biggest series of the year. Now I get the eight innings the other night. I get it. But it's just not enough. I'm not convinced yet. I am not convinced 
whatsoever on Max Scherzer doing that consistently. I need to see a couple more starts like that. But Verlander, I mean, you got to be concerned with him a little bit. You got to be concerned with Justin Verlander. He's been a mercenary piece of crap, just like Evan Roberts has said. He's, I mean, quite frankly, Scherzer's giving you some hope, you know, the eight innings. And, I mean, Verlander, like, he's been good too. We've seen it. But the inconsistencies from both of these guys is a serious problem. Kodai Senga, he's got a little bit longer of a leash. I mean, when you look at Kodai as a whole this year, he's been pretty good, especially at home. He hasn't let up more than three earned runs all year at home. So Kodai, I'm not worried about. He's got five more years on that contract, too, to prove that he can become what we thought he could become. And he is, he has been our best pitcher this year, too. And it's sad because it's not like Kodai has been at least what I expected. Now, Kodai has been great, but he hasn't been dominant all year. We've seen it in flashes. But once we see Kodai consistently be dominant, he has a potential to be one of the best pitchers in the MLB. But Scherzer and Verlander, they should be two of the best pitchers in the MLB right now. Not eventually. Not in a couple weeks, not in a couple starts. It should be right now. So what Scherzer did the other night, it's not, yay, yippee-ki-yay, Max Scherzer is back. No, that's what Max Scherzer should do. That's what we should expect from a guy who, when he retires, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame in a couple right after he retires once he's eligible for the Hall of Fame. He's a guy who's won a World Series title. He's a guy who has multiple Cy Youngs. So we got to see more from Scherzer. We got to see something from Verlander because that's who we're looking at to turn this season around. Obviously, I'm going to be looking at the bats like Lindor and Alonzo to pick their batting averages up because, yeah, they're hitting for power. Great. But in key situations, they've come up short time and time again, just like today we saw it. A couple days ago, we saw it with Lindor. Now I get it. The power numbers are great. They're fantastic. But Lindor and Alonzo are not, they're not Joey Gallo and Kyle Schwarber-like players. They're Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor. I hate when we say that Francisco Lindor is having a good season because he has a lot of home runs. No, he's having a terrible season because he's hitting 217. I hate when I, I hate when we say uh Pete Alonzo is having a great season, but he's not. He's hitting 217. Lindor's hitting 213. That's my mistake. But the point I'm trying to make is Lindor and Alonzo, they were the guys who led the, as a duo, they were probably one of the best duos offensively last year. This year, I get it. The power numbers are there, but the batting averages of these two guys is outright terrible. And I'm, I'm sick of everyone saying batting average doesn't matter. Batting average doesn't matter, right? Well, when you look at the Atlanta Braves right now, they're 47 and 26, right? We're far, far behind them. You know what they are in batting average in the entire league? Second. The Atlanta Braves have the second best batting average as a team in 2023. And they are one of the best teams in the league. You look at the Tampa Bay Rays, 52 and 25 this year, arguably one of the be- one of the best teams, one of the best. <laughs> Jeez, I can't get my word straight. 
arguably one of the best teams in the MLB, if not the best, statistically wise, record wise, they are the best. And you know what the Tampa Bay's, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays do? They hit top five in bad and average amongst, uh, amongst all teams. They're fifth with a 263 bad and average. So bad and average does matter. You look at the Miami Marlins. I mean, they're eighth in bad and average. They're 42 and 20, uh, 42 and 33 right now. So you look at the teams that are top 10 in bad and average, they're much better than the New York Mets. So stop telling me that bad and average does not matter anymore. Stop telling me that Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso are having fantastic years because their power, their power numbers are great. I don't care. Look at their OPS. Look at their bad and averages. Look at their on-base percentages. Look at their walk rate. Look at their strikeout rate. Look at their runners in scoring position stats compared to last season. It's drastically, drastically different. They are having... Francisco Lindor had a terrible year in 2021, but he's having an even worse year in 2023. And Pete Alonso is by far far having the worst season he has ever had yet. I don't care that he's hitting all these home runs. I do not care. His bad and average is terrible. His OBP is terrible with runners in scoring position this year. He has failed time and time again. And the same is said about Francisco Lindor. These two guys need to pick it up. I get the pitching. I get you can say Jeff McNeil, but you could throw blame at Brandon, Hill, whoever you want. But the fact of the matter is Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor are supposed to be the two guys that lead the New York Mets, and they haven't done it all year. All year. And until that starts to happen, the New York Mets are going to be below 500. They are going to be one of the worst teams in the NL East. They are going to potentially miss the playoffs unless Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor step it up. Don't give me power. Their bad and averages suck. And don't tell me bad and average doesn't matter anymore because look at the Rays, look at the Braves. Their bad and averages are top five in the MLB. So don't tell me bad and average doesn't matter. Pete Alonzo, are we going to talk about him like he's Joey Gallo? Is he a guy who's going to hit 220 and 50 bombs? Is that what we want Pete Alonzo to be? He's a guy who hit 270 last year. Same, th- same thing with Francisco Lindor. You know, we're, we're going to talk about them as all-stars. All-stars figure it out. I saw one guy on actually Twitter call it, oh, it's a slump year for Francisco Lindor. He's a superstar. He has seven more years on the cut. Dude, dude, slump year? Dude, slump year. Some guys go in slumps, but slump year for a guy like Francisco Lindor, that's unacceptable. I'm sorry. I think everybody knows right now that Francisco Lindor can play 10 times better than he has so far with the New York Mets. And if you say I'm wrong, then you just don't think Francisco Lindor is that good of a baseball player because he was a guy who made four all-star teams. He was a guy who had three seasons in a row where it was 30 consecutive plus home, uh, 30 plus home runs in three consecutive seasons. 
Like I said, the four all-star appearances. And don't give me, oh, juice ball. Three consecutive seasons, 30-plus home runs. Three. Three in a row. Juice baseballs? Really? You're going to throw that excuse at me? Is that why he had the 10 times more total bases when he was with the Cleveland Indians? Well, Cleveland Guardians. Lindor can be better. Alonzo can be better. And Jeff McNeil, too. Because I'm getting on those guys. I got to get on Jeff McNeil, who's at a 194 batting average in his last 10 games. And that's bad. That is bad. His batting average has dipped below 270 on the season. And that is alarming. That's what we saw from Jeff McNeil a couple of years ago. And he's just not that guy. We all know Jeff McNeil, the reigning batting champion, is a guy who hits 300 plus. Everyone in this lineup is having a slump. Steve Cohen needs to make a change. Whether it's a hidden coach that gets fired or Buck Showalter get th- that gets fired. When it's McNeil, Lindor, Alonzo, even Nimmo has been struggling as of late. Marte, obviously, all year. Vogelback had to take a mental health break. That's how bad he was doing. Even though he's hitting 333 in the last three games since he's been back. The Mets need to make a change. And you can't fire 26 guys on the roster. You can't get rid of Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil, Starlin Marte. You can't get rid of those guys. But the one guy you can get rid of is Buck Showalter. And Buck Showalter should be on the hot seat. He should be on the hot seat. And if he's not on the hot seat, then why hasn't anybody been fired? Because we're all dying also, too. The Mets are the Mets fans have been always on Billy Epler, too. Billy Epler, Billy Epler, Billy Epler. Me, too, Billy Epler. Billy Epler sucks. He got his Vogel back, and he got his Darren Ruff, Tyler Naquin, Michael Givens. He had a terrible trade deadline last year, and he did nothing with the Los Angeles Angels. He wasn't our first option when we wanted a new general manager. I'm not saying he wasn't a good hire, but he wasn't a good hire. That's why there's rumors about him being replaced already. So, but what Billy Epler needs to do is obviously make a big-time trade to save the season. But why should he? If Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonzo, Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil, if everybody, including the pitchers too, who like I was getting on earlier, over a four ERA, the 25th ranked pitching staff in the MLB. That's the most expensive pitching staff in the MLB. It's actually this pitching staff is higher than some other teams' payrolls. But hey, no, it's okay that the Mets are 30 and, oh my God. What are we now? 34 and 40. Six and a half games back of the wild card. This, like, listen, I love the Mets. I'm always going to watch them even when they lose, but I'm able to admit right now that I will not be surprised if the Mets miss the playoffs. I just won't. And that's where I'm going to end it at for the Mets because they don't deserve to be talked about either. The, The Mets suck. Why should we talk about the Mets when they suck? But McNeil, I'm going to flash it up one more time. 
194 bad and average in the last 10 games. That's terrible. Going to talk about some Yankees, especially this game. It was a good game, especially without uh, Aaron Judge. Another game without Aaron Judge. But it didn't matter this time because they are now two victories in a row against the Seattle Mariners. Going for the sweep tomorrow. Anthony Volpe homered. Um, Jeffrey Bowers, leadoff man. He homered. I know, random. Uh, and then you also had Billy McKinney. And Billy McKinney has been a pretty good pickup. Billy Cashman with another steal in 12 games so far. He's hitting 317 and he's popped off three home runs, including the one tonight that basically won the Yankees the game. So good pickup. Good pickup. Is it sustainable? I have no clue, but I wouldn't be surprised because we see it all the time. Brian Cashman finds a guy, plugs him in the right spot, and they find success. So I wouldn't be surprised if Billy McKinney turns out to be a pleasant surprise for the Yankees. And that's when you get hope as a Yankees fan that this season is going to be okay. Because you got guys like Billy McKinney and Jeffrey Bauer stepping it up. You got Anthony Volpe since he met with his good old buddy. He's fixed his swing and became the shortstop that fans have been hoping to see. He just became the third third, uh, third shortstop in Yankees history as a rookie to hit 10 home runs in a season. And like I said earlier, it's only June, so there's gonna he's going to go past 10, obviously. Bad and average you want to see increase, obviously, but that will. He's only a rookie. He played, what, 22 games in AAA? I personally think he should have got sent down a couple weeks ago, but they're showing confidence in him keeping it up. And I'll tell you what, he's keeping his head above high water right now. So good for him. Good for Volpe. Rizzo went three for four last night, but, I mean, quite frankly, 0 for three again today. He's got to step it up. Glaber Torres, I mean, he's he's been consistent all year long. So that's been a pretty good sign, but Glaber Torres isn't anything crazy. You really need Aaron Judge back. The Yankees really need Aaron Judge back, but a win today, Johnny Brito, I mean, he came up out of, not out of nowhere, but having a couple bad starts in the AAA, he was strong. He came up early on in the year, and he showed you some good signs. Then obviously he had to get sent down because he was terrible, and he was doing terrible in AAA, but they needed someone to start today. Brito comes in, gives you five over five innings, two hits allowed, three strikeouts, no runs, no runs allowed. Huge bullpen, obviously, could have been a little bit better. Wandy Peralta usually doesn't do that, though, so you're not too worried. And then Tommy Canley coming back, that's huge for the Yankees. Huge pickup. Him coming off the IL, too, is huge. So Yankees fans should be excited. Their bullpen is loaded. They, they have, obviously, one of the best pitching staffs. In the MLB, Domingo Herman has been pretty good as of late. Garrett Cole, one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitchers in the MLB. Probably the best pitcher in the American League right now. Now he's 8-1 and one with a 2.64 ERA with that win the other night. So, I mean, you got to be confident. But the one guy you're not confident is, is the guy, the former MVP, the guy you gave up the haul for when you made that trade with the Miami Marlins. Giancarlo Stanton. Now, when Billy McKinney is putting up better numbers than Giancarlo Stanton, that's a problem. Because Giancarlo Stanton obviously getting paid all the money in the world on that massive contract for massive amount of years. It's a problem. Similar to Francisco Lindor. But it doesn't really get talked about, I think, because he's overshadowed. 
by Aaron Judge, but Giancarlo Stanton did hit 50-plus home runs with the Miami Marlins. He did win an MVP. And he's been a mercenary piece of crap with the New York Yankees. He has a 111 batting average in June. That's terrible. That's terrible. I talked about it last week on the pod. I think John Carlos Stanton, if it's not Francisco Lindor, I think John Carlos Stanton is the most overrated player in the MLB. I think John Carlos Stanton is definitely the most overrated player in the MLB. By far. By far. No one's close. He's overhyped. He has good postseasons, but what is the what have the Yankees won with him? Stanton is, quite frankly, a waste of money. He can't even play right field, because if he does, he'll pull a hamstring. And he strikes out every at-bat, at least in June. So far, the 111 batting average, that's terrible. They had to bench him today because they needed to give him a day off because he's been that terrible. A former MVP I'm talking about right now. And it's not even like he's over like 35 years old or anything crazy. He's in the prime years of his career. Giancarlo Stanton is a trade bus. He is a trade bus. I think we can officially call Stanton a bust. Now, obviously, he has a long time to prove me wrong and change that narrative. But right now, Giancarlo Stanton has been a bust. As of today, June 21st, Wednesday, Giancarlo Stanton sucks. So... Anthony Rizzo obviously has to get going, but like I said, he's been consistent all year, and he's, I mean, he's a former World Series champion, but Yankees just need Aaron Judge back, and there's no return set. They're 11-14 and with that win today without Judge in 2023. So, you know, with him, they're a completely different team. Their offense is 10 times better. And by the way, before I do rip on the Yankees as a whole, let me rip on Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson, I think he's the worst New York athlete that has ever played New York sports. He's annoying. I don't think any Yankees fan likes him. I don't think any baseball fan likes Josh Donaldson. I don't think any baseball player likes Josh Donaldson. He sucks. He's washed up. He needs to retire. A 133 bad average on the year. That's a former MVP. And great. He had a great career. A couple years ago when he was with the Atlanta Braves, he had a little bit of a resurgence. He won the MVP with Toronto, obviously. Really good years with Oakland. But Josh, it's time to hang him up. He's not the player he once was. He never will be. His swing is so much farther be, uh, further behind than it once was. He's late on everything. He's late on everything. Donaldson needs to go. Cashman needs to get rid of him, or Boone needs to stop putting him in the lineup because he's terrible. Um, but you don't really have that many options because DJ LeMay sucks now too. But without Aaron Judge, Yankees aren't really the same team that they are with Aaron Judge. So... You got to get by, and it's going to be interesting because there was a report that came out. I forgot which Yankees beat writer wrote it, but they said there's no timetable set on Aaron Judge's return. He should be back at some point this season. 
sometime this season. Yeah, I know Boomer and Gio were talking about it, and Greg Giannotti was really pointing it out that, you know, it is an interesting thing to say. And he did slam his foot. Like, I know they said it was a toe, but maybe the Yankees are hiding something. Should we actually be more worried than we are? Is Aaron Judge potentially more hurt than he is? Could Aaron Judge miss the whole season? I don't know. We will find out, but listen, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. That looked like it hurt when he broke that wall against the LA Dodgers, who's been who has been underachieving all year. I mean, that's a quick blow to blow up, you know, stub your toe against them. But listen, he looked like he hurt more than his toe. I'm not gonna lie. And the adrenaline rush, obviously, that might be why he finished that game, but you know, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what is actually going on with Judge. So keep an eye on that. Overall, though, good win tonight, though. Johnny Brito, man. Solid outing. Coming up in a good spot start. 5.2, like you see right there. Only two hits allowed. Against a good Seattle Mariners team. Obviously, the record doesn't say it, but the, the Mariners are a good team. And then Billy McKinney, man. I mean, my guy, Billy McKinney is going off. He's keeping you afloat, keeping you afloat. Just keep swimming, Yankees. Just keep swimming. Stay in it, and you're golden. All right, but let's take a quick break on the baseball talk. Um, Let's take a quick commercial break, and then we'll get right in to some Knicks trade rumors. Is Obi Toppin going to get traded in the next couple of days? What should the Knicks do with R.J. Barrett? What should the Knicks do with Julius Randle? He spoke to Paul George the other day, and he spoke very highly about himself, Jalen Brunson, and the Knicks as a whole, and Thibodeau. A lot of praise for Thibodeau. Going to talk about Jalen Brunson potentially being the top five point guard. We're going to get into the Carl Anthony Towns rumors, the three-time NBA All-Star, two-time All-NBA player, and, of course, the baby mama drama. Zion Williamson, are we actually interested in him? We're going to talk about it next on the Nolan Show. And, you know, even after Otani, you know, what do you think? What do you think about Steve Cohen as a whole? Like, you think this guy, what do you think he did for this Mets franchise so far? Yeah, I think starting with the first half of the question, Otani's certainly on the table. Um, uh, the biggest barrier in the Mets' way from them landing him isn't dollars, but it really is just preference. Um, if Otani still has the same preference that he had uh, entering the MLB, which is West Coast, then the likelihood of him landing with the Mets isn't as strong as, say, the Dodgers, who, while the Dodgers might not be able to put up the highest dollar, uh, for Otani the way that the Mets would, it wouldn't be shocking if Otani, say, took a slight pay cut from the Dodgers versus what the Mets offer would be. They weren't drastically different to stay in LA, that area, to be with the Dodgers and be on the championship winning type organization still. So that is the biggest hurdle in landing him. But rest assured, we've all known by now that when Cohen has his eyes set on someone, he's going to do everything physically and humanly possible to acquire them. And, you know, I don't expect a Carlos Correa, you know, broken ankle type situation 2.0 here with Otani. So rest assured, if the interest is there, which we all know it is, 
uh, the Mets will at minimum do their due diligence and give a valiant effort in landing him. And should they not especially, then you look at the Manny Machado. You know, I, I think either way, the Mets are in a strong position to land one of the top free agents next year. It's just a matter of if it's going to be the best player in baseball or is it going to be one of the best third basemen in the game? So, yeah, we'll discuss that more as we get closer to the trade deadlines, depending on where the Angels are at and things of that nature. But, yeah, they will certainly be involved. And to answer the second part, yeah, Cohen, I mean, it, everything that I say you know by now, right? He's just done an amazing job as Mets owner over the past couple of years. Um, had the privilege of meeting him um, a couple months ago back in early January at a Mets event, and he was just, you know, exactly what you would expect him to be. I mean, just the fact that he goes so out of his way constantly to interact with fans, people, media, just really showing that the only difference between you and I and Cohen is the dollars in our net worth. Aside from that, the same interest level is there when it comes to being a diehard true Mets fan. That is what is was the focal point in him buying the team in the first place it wasn't because of this being a superior investment long term no it's because he wants to bring championships to queens as as a desperate fan and i don't blame him i I would do the exact same thing if i had the money to back it and if i were in his shoes so um yeah everything he's done from top down not only in the organization with the amount of funding for the roster which is close right around double more that he spent on guaranteed contracts alone since he became an owner which is around 1.3 billion dollars then the next closest owner in baseball over the past couple years which is steinbrenner the yankees around 880 million um aside from investing a record amount of dollars over that period of time with on-field product it's off the field it's with the coaching staff with show walter epler the hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars that he's also spending in the analytics department which is something that the mets didn't even have when Cohen became owner, it's it's from the smallest things to the biggest things, to the medical staff. I mean, everything and everyone that is currently a part of the Mets organization is making this look night and day from what it was just a couple of years ago. And it just shows you that, yeah, having a lot of money certainly helps, but knowing how to properly allocate it into every single area of need and just to give you superiority over the next club as a rival, either in the division or just going for a championship as a whole will certainly help do wonders for a team. And that is the case with Cohen and these New York Mets. Uh, Beyond grateful to have him at. All right, we are back live on the Nolan Show. We're going to be talking about the New York Knicks, their potential interest in a couple stars. We're going to be talking about the Obi Toppin trade rumors. Zach, uh, Zach, what was his name? Fred Katz of The Athletic came out today and reported that Tom Thibodeau and Obi Toppin basically, well, got into it after game four in the locker room and had some kind words to to exchange with each other so let's talk about it what should the Knicks do with Obi Toppin does he have a fit on this team with Julius Randle basically playing the whole game though 36 minutes per night basically every single night he does Julius Randle doesn't have off days too he doesn't take he doesn't take any what am I you what's the word that I'm thinking of right now Jesus, I don't know. 
what I'm thinking about, but days off. He doesn't take any days off. Um, I don't know why I can't register that word right now, but Randall always wants to play. And I hate to say this, but Julius Randall isn't going anywhere. If you heard Julius Randall talk the other day to Paul George on his podcast, he basically was talking about how what him and Jalen Brunson did in year one is exciting because it was only their first year playing together. And quite frankly, he had some good points. He talked about him booing the fans. He talked about how that was the biggest mistake, one of the biggest mistakes of his life. He said he can't do that. So Randall, as much as I hate his fit with the Knicks, because I've even said it before, you take Randall off this team because he takes plays off on defense. He doesn't hustle on offense. He doesn't try to get as many rebounds on the offensive side sometimes. You even see it too. He he turns his back to the defense. He can't read double teams. You throw a triple team at him, he's done. He's not really a clutch type player. In the playoffs, he's silent. I know he had his injuries this year, but he was silent in against the Atlanta Hawks too. So, But he's going to be back. He's going to be back. And we have to swallow that pill. And we have to accept it. Because that means Obi Toppin is probably going to go. And it's probably best for both sides. Obi is a guy who deserves to be playing 20 to 25, maybe even 30 plus minutes a night, starting somewhere, or being that main guy off the bench. Obi Toppin is a guy who has averaged over 20 points per game as a starter. Right here, OB stats as a starter, 20.8 points per game, over 50% from the field, 57.6%. And he shoots 44% from three in games that he starts to. So he can provide a team value. He's a valuable player. He's 25 years old now, though. He didn't come into the league young. He played all four years of college. He's ready to make an impact now. He doesn't want to play 12 to 15 minutes a night. It's great, you know, him being from New York. The Knicks fans love him, but Obi wants more for himself. So can you blame him? I can't. I really can't. So, especially when, you know, the Knicks fans do love him as much as they do. But, what are some potential trade suitors for him? Who could we get back for him? Now they're saying second round picks. For Obi, I'd rather keep Obi at that point. I think what the Knicks should do is keep Obi, keep Randall, get rid of Tibbs. If they really want to keep Randall, but it seems like Randall and Tibbs are a marriage. So if Randall stays, Tibbs stays. If Tibbs stays, Randall stays. So Obi is the one who's going to be the odd man out. And I hate to say that. I really, really do. Because I really thought, you know, when Obi was making an impact, when Randall was out, and even towards the end of last season when Obi was doing his thing, getting triple doubles, dropping 40-plus points, 
you know, you were like, damn, you could see a future for this kid on this team, but it just does not look like OB Toppin's future is with the New York Knicks. And I hate that I have to say that. Because I really do think OB Toppin is going to turn into a guy who averages over 17 points per game, who averages over five to seven rebounds per game, who shoots over 50% from the field. I think he's either going to be somebody's six man or he's going to be a key st- he's going to be a key starter. And it could have been with the Knicks, but we had Julius Randle. We have Julius Randle who I'm going to talk about. What should the Knicks do with him? He's a two-time All-NBA player with the Knicks, so it's like Leon Rose loves him. Tom Thibodeau loves him. The fans hate him. So it just sucks. It just sucks. And, you know, we always talk about it. Can't read the double teams. Can't read the triple teams. Too many turnovers. Take plays off, take plays off on defense. Lackadaisical play. Obviously, the attitude problems. It's not pretty. No wonder the fans hate him. But he is a two-time All-NBA player. So I will give that to him. But I don't want him on my team. I don't I don't want Julius Randle on my team, but I'm going to accept the fact that he will be. I, I Because I have to. I have to. And I have to be excited about Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson in year two. I have to. Jalen Brunson, obviously, everybody's excited about him. Averaged over 27 a night in the playoffs. But Randall, we just, we have to. We have to accept it. I mean, he does have a point. He did play very well with Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson averaged a career high, and so did Julius Randall. So they do play very well together. We are one guy away, too. Now, is that one guy away from trading Obi Toppin, or is that one guy away from trading R.J. Barrett? Because I think that's a legitimate question. Should the Knicks trade R.J. Barrett? Will the Knicks trade R.J. Barrett? Do you think the Knicks should trade R.J. Barrett for an actual impact player? I mean, I think R.J. could be an impact player, but quite frankly, the the inconsistencies with his shooting is not pretty. Obviously, he struggles on the right on the right side of the basket. Let's be honest, he finishes a lot better on the left side than the right. But that's okay cuz he's gotten better at it and in the paint he did it's from two pointers ugh, from two point range this year, he did shoot over 50%. So I think that was a good sign. I think he just had a down year from the three from three. So, I mean, statistically he did and that's probably he just needs to get in the gym and shoot more. But Sometimes, I don't know, but when you look at him, he's 22 years old. Julius Randle didn't make his first all-star team until he's 26. Jalen Brunson, obviously, didn't become who he was until now, his sixth season in the NBA. So why are we putting so much pressure on R.J. Barrett? Why are we rushing him? But that's the thing. We have Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. We can kind of win now. We're in a win-now mode. R.J. Barrett, he's a guy who you want on a rebuilding team. Like last year with the Knicks, where he's able to just be the baller that 
He really is. Give RJ the ball and let him go to work. But quite frankly, if RJ Barrett can get the Knicks, a guy who can be a part of that big three with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle and whoever, then I think the Knicks should package RJ Barrett, OB Toppin, and potentially a couple picks for a legit star. Now, is that star? I don't think it's Zion. It's not Zion. I put the thing up there because I just wanted to put it up there. Zion is not coming to the Knicks. I don't want him. I don't ever want Zion Williamson on the Knicks. R.J. Barrett is better than Zion. So, no, don't give me Zion Williamson ever on the Knicks. He'd be useless on the Knicks. Why? Because he wouldn't play. I don't care about the baby mama drama. And, yes, Zion is a generational talent, but he doesn't play basketball in the playoffs he didn't show up now the realistic like not even realistic it's a dream nothing's realistic with the Knicks but my my dream my wish you know everybody has their wish every Knicks fan has their wish I think it would be Cat you know I think he would be the guy not Zach Levine no I don't want Zach Levine I don't want obviously Bradley Beal going to the Suns now that options him away Chris Paul coming here off the bench. No, I don't think that's the missing piece. And is Cat the missing piece? I mean, yeah, Cat, Randall, and Bronson. That would be a very good trio. But I just love the way Cat plays. I love the way. I think, you know, if you pair up Cat with Tibbs again, I think, you know, the defensive side of him would really come out. I think you could buy into that New York like attitude of just, Owning it, owning the city. You know, he's from here. He knows how to handle it. I think Cat would be a great fit in New York. Three-time NBA All-Star, two-time All-NBA player. Shoots over 40% from three as a center. Now, he did play power forward this year, but it didn't really work out. You got to put him at center, and that's probably where he would be playing with Julius Randle. So. And I know this means you get rid of Mitchell Robinson probably, but I love Mitch, but... They did hack a shack with him, you know, the Miami Heat. You saw it. It just, yeah, now I'm not saying that's why you get rid of Mitch, but Mitch, I mean, you know, we see it in the offseason every year. He's shooting wide open threes, and he's making them. He's all this talk, and then doesn't attempt one all season long. So, Mitch, we know what he is. He is what he is. He's a great finisher. He's a great defender, but he is what he is, and I think a lot of Knicks fans would rather Carl Anthony Towns than Mitchell Robinson. But we still love Mitch. Let's see what we got in the comments. CP, yo, what's up, Chris? Embiid. Ah, oh, the only thing about Embiid is I just really don't see the Philadelphia 76ers trading him. I think the Sixers are married to him at least one more year. I think they're going to give it one more go. I think Harden is a potential move out. But, yeah, I do think the Sixers could blow it up at some point, too. I think it really just depends on Harden. If Harden does leave, then maybe Embiid is just like, you know what, screw it. I want out. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Cat is going to be making a lot of money, though. That is a great point. That is a great point because with the amount of money that he's going to be securing, and then you factor in Brunson, you factor in Randall's contract, too, and then if we do keep Grimes, we're going to have to pay him in a couple of years, and I'm very high on Grimes. I love Quentin Grimes. 
So you do have to take that into account too. The Knicks definitely do. Um, and Emmanuel quickly, what are we going to do with Emmanuel quickly? That's somebody I didn't even make a slide for, but you know, I really think Emmanuel quickly is a guy that we got to be very interested in this off season. Cause you know, just like Obi Toppin, could he potentially be moved? Um, you know, he's great. I, I want to keep him as a six man for a long, long time. I want to see us lock him up and have him, like I just said, be our six man for a long time. Cause even though he struggled in the postseason, what he did all regular season long, he showed up. He was that second guy when Brunson was off the court. So I think if he can be a 25 plus minute per game guy off the bench, he can give you 14, 15 plus points per game. And that's what I think the Knicks drafted him for is to be that spark, that energy booster off the bench. You know, and he did come up with Derrick Rose winning that six man, not winning the six man of the year, but making a case for it a couple of years ago. So, you know, he kind of came into the league and just said, Hey, learn how to be a six man. And that's what he should own. I think. Yeah, we do have to pay Josh Hart too. Josh Hart's going to come back. I wanted to put that up too, but um, yeah, Josh Hart, I think is a guarantee to come back. Um, I think just the question is how much money, you know, obviously I don't think we want to overpay, but I also think Josh Hart kind of knows his value. I think the rest of the NBA knows his value. And I think the Knicks know that they kind of need Josh Hart. He's expendable. Yes. Like you can find other players like him around the league, but not for the same pay rate. You know, you look at Draymond Green, for example, the rumors about Draymond Green going to every team in the NBA potentially. Um, but why would you, because Draymond Green, obviously not a similar player to Josh Hart, but similar in some sort of ways. But, you know, Josh Hart, younger, cheaper, more, he's got more to prove. And he's owned New York. He owns the city. He wears it on his chest. So, Obi is gone, bro, with his age. It's not happening in New York. Yes, at 25. Tibbs is keeping Julius. That marriage, man. Tibbs and Julius are married. Package deal. Obi's camp probably already asked for a trade regardless of that leaked audio clip today. 100%. And that, you know, when that came out, I honestly wasn't surprised. I don't think any Knicks fan was. You know, like, uh, I think I was mentioning a little bit before, actually, you know, Obi deserves better. You know, he he's a guy at 25 now. He wants to make an impact for a winning team, not watch a team win. And Obi deserves that. You know, over 20 points per game as a starter. I'm not saying he's going to do that somewhere else when he goes there. But he's a guy who could potentially average, if you give him enough minutes on the court, He's going to give you 15 plus points per game. He's going to give you potentially five to seven rebounds per game. He's going to shoot over 50% from the floor. He could shoot over 35% from three if you can get in that groove, potentially even over 40. Who knows? He was the leading scorer in college when he was a senior. So, I mean, that's some. He's a pure scorer. Now, yes, he does need to add a little bit more to his game moves wise, but he also, we haven't been able to really see what he has too because he does only average less than 15 minutes per night in three seasons with New York. So with Obi, I think the he's definitely done. He's definitely done. Tibbs is not going to keep him. Like you said, dude, it's, and at his age, he needs to go somewhere to help a team win. 
And he, that's not with the Knicks. The Knicks need a backup power forward that is okay with playing 12 minutes a night. Because Julius Randle is going to take up, obviously, the majority of the game. So it sucks because Obi is definitely my favorite player since he's came here. You know, I got his jersey. He's my guy. But hometown kid coming to New York, top 10 draft pick. It's just unfortunate that Julius Randle decided to make the all-star team twice because he's not even that good. And that's what's frustrating. It's like everybody sees when you watch the game, Julius Randle turns back the defense, gets stripped, doesn't run back on defense. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. And it's got to be frustrating for a guy like Obi Toppin, who was the first-hand witness, and the guy playing behind the guy who's not putting in any effort. The guy who, if he doesn't sprint back on defense... He's able to still play 36 minutes per night. But God forbid, Obi misses a three. He's pulled off the court in 30 seconds. And Tibbs never even tried to experiment. I love how you mentioned Tibbs in this too, CP, because like Tibbs never even tried to experiment with Julius and Obi. He did it here and there, and it worked sometimes too. But he never did it consistently. And that's what's frustrating even more. We never even got a chance to see those two play at the same time. And who knows? Maybe that's how Obi could have found his minutes. Because even him getting 20 to 24 minutes, even that off the bench might keep him happy because of the praise that he gets in New York. But when you play him less than 15 minutes a night, and he's a guy who's capable of playing 30-plus minutes per night, like you said, CP, his camp already asked for trade negotiate uh, trade. So, Ob, <sighs> R.I.P. in New York. R.I.P. Going to talk about Brunson real quick, being a top five point guard, and then I'm going to wrap it up. But yeah, I mean, there's not too much to say about Jalen Brunson being a top five point guard. I mean. When I'm thinking of my top five point guards, I'm not putting Jamal Murray in there yet just because he won the NBA Finals with Jamal uh, with Nikola Jokic. I love Jamal Murray. I love what he done, but he ain't a top five point guard. I got Jalen Brunson at my five. You know, I think he's right there at five. Got Luka. Got Steph. Got Dame Lillard. Who's my number four again? Shy Gilgris Alexander. He's my number four. So, there it is. Luca, Steph, Dame, Shy, and then I got JB, and then probably after that I probably go like John Morant when he's not holding guns. He's pretty, pretty, pretty good player. Pretty good player. De'Aaron Fox. I mean, what he did with the Kings this season, you might even say he's better than John Morant because of what John Morant has with the guns. But when Jaws health, when Jaws on the floor, Jaws one of the best top three point guard in the game. But Obviously, the gun issues aren't too pretty. But De'Aaron Fox, he's got to be up there for sure. You know, uh, but, you know, pedigree-wise, I think you got to go Steph, Luca. So Steph, number one. Luca number two. Dame, number three. Shai Gilgos. I, oh, I, oh, I can never get his name off correctly. SGA, number four. And then my man, Jalen Brunson, number five. 
And then I'm going De'Aaron Fox at six. I'll go John Morant at seven. And if we're going to go 10 today, let's go 10 today. I'll list them off just for the hell of it. So we're at seven. We'll go eight. We'll go Trey Young. I think Trey Young deserves eight. Nine. Jamal, actually no, eight Jamal Murray, eight Jamal Murray, nine I'll go Trey Young, nine I'll go Trey Young, and then ten, hmm, I don't know, ten I'll figure it. Out. I'll do more notes and get like an actual top ten point guard list. But Jalen Brunson's in my top five though for sure. What he did with the Knicks this season is outstanding. He took the Knicks last year; they were below five hundred. He took them over 10 games above 500, took them into the second round against a team that won the Eastern Conference Finals. Jalen Brunson, arguably, has already made more of an impact for the New York Knicks than Carmelo Anthony ever did. And that's a hot take for you. And that's what I'm going to end today's show with. But yeah, I mean, what we really need, a third guy. A third guy, whether it's giving up picks for him, whether it's giving up players for him, we need that third guy. We need the New York Mets to get things going. We need the New York Yankees to get Aaron Judge back. And we need football to start because baseball sucks right now in New York. No basketball, no football, uh, no hockey, obviously. Need Aaron Rodgers to save the season and Brian Dayball's bald head to give Giants fans some energy. Going to try to get CP on the pod sometime this week. I want to talk a lot of Giants this week. Check out my articles, by the way, too, if you haven't checked them out. I posted two this week. They were just published over the weekend. One actually today, one over the weekend. My last one was about Darren Waller and how he has top five tight end potential with the New York Giants. And also one was published just at seven o'clock today. You can check it out at gmanhq.com. Today I wrote my article was about basically the Giants defense potentially being one of the best in football. I mean, when you think about it, Leonard Williams, Aziz Olajari, one of the best young linebackers in all of football. Kayvon Thibodeau coming into year two and you also got a factor in Dexter Lawrence coming on that massive deal Bobby O'Keefe who everybody knows I love Bobby O'Keefe wrote about him he had his whole entire page in that article but yeah make sure you just go check that out if you want to read more on the Giants definitely want to talk some football this week stay tuned for that thank you for listening I'm signing off can the Mets Please, please win a game. Tomorrow is a much-needed day off. But Friday, please win a game. I'm out of here.